Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman-Torpe and Peter Torpe. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week, we'll be talking about a recently introduced multi-line Braille display that was designed in such a way to enable it to be affordable by individuals. We'll speak with Ed Rogers, founder and managing director of Bristol Braille, about how the Canute 360 device works and how users can make great use of it. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip is access to printed information is very important for everybody and refreshable Braille displays can provide that access for people with vision loss. And it's important for blind individuals to learn Braille, to become literate in formatting and producing documents that sighted people find appealing. And we've heard that tip from many of the people we've interviewed. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Ira, an app that remotely connects people who are blind or have low vision to trained agents for access to visual information. Details are available at 1-800-835-1934. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Ed Rogers. My name's Ed Rogers. I'm the Managing Director of Bristol Braille Technology, CIC. I gather you're also the founder? Yeah, I am the founder. So many of our listeners have visual impairments, and your product line obviously targets people with visual impairments. Do you yourself have a visual impairment? No, I'm fully sighted. And how did you get into the field? I liked Braille. What was your first interaction with Braille? Do you know blind people? I didn't actually um, have a personal connection to it before I started. Now, obviously, I have a very personal connection. But that was years ago. I started in 2008, actually. And I was at university. And that prototype was a single line. And it was a very daft device, a single line Braille display made out of a, an old gramophone, a pound of plasticine and some windscreen motor wipe. When I finally got it built, it ripped itself to pieces after doing an entire one line of Braille. <laughs> and the, the owl bites on part of it flew off and stuck part of my, um, my duvet to the wall because obviously I was doing it in my student flat. So from that auspicious start grew the Canute. Um, I was personally working on it on and off whilst trying to make a, a living as a programmer and an animator for a few years. And then the team grew around the concept of a multi-line Braille display, which started at the end of 2012. From the start of 2013 onwards, we've grown as a team. Uh, we're still a very small team. We operate out of a space about 12 foot square. And we've got at any one time, maybe five people working on the on the project. And they're mostly freelancers. And a lot of people volunteer their time to help us. And we're a not-for-profit. And as we'll see, you've come a long way since those early days. We're in production, yes. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. 
This week's focus topic is the Canute 360, a refreshable multi-line Braille display with 360 characters from Bristol Braille. So Ed, give us an idea of what Bristol Braille is selling these days. We have one machine, which is the Canute 360. That's what we focus the entire efforts of the company on. It's got 360 cells of Braille which is four and a half times more than any other Braille display you'll buy and nine times more than any normal Braille display. It's got 40 cells of Braille per line and it's got nine lines of Braille, which is a third of a full 27 line Braille page. So that's essentially what makes this device quite unique among Braille displays. Completely unique as I understand it. There are some multi-line Braille displays available. They tend to cost tens of thousands of dollars, euros, whatever you've got. They're only made in limited number, and they're clearly not really meant for consumers, people who might buy them themselves. So the Canute has been has gone on pre-order recently, and in the UK, you could pre-buy it if you uh, this this offer has finished for £1,695 and it's now gone up to £1,895, which is for American um, listeners, I think around $2,200 in the first case. So that if you consider the price of a, of a single line Braille display, which is anything from $2,000 to $4,000 for a 40 cell display. Yes, they're pretty expensive, even for a single line display. Yes. So and we aren't competing directly with single line displays either. We're not suggesting this is a device that's going to replace your um, uh, humanware or Vario Ultra or whatever. This is something which is a standalone reading device. So you use this, you use the machine, the Canute 360, to read high quality, pre-formatted BRF files. That's Braille ready files, the sort of thing that goes otherwise goes directly to an embosser. It's kind of like a library in one device. So it's if you if you don't mind, I could describe the the thing to you. Oh, certainly. It's about 14 inches left to right. It's about seven and a half, eight inches front to back. If you can visualize that, it's about a little larger than a letter paper or an A4 size paper, a little thinner and a little longer. And it's about an inch and a half thick. So it's like a, um, it's the sort of thing you'd put on your desk, like a sort of heavy laptop. I've looked at your website, and you've got, of course, some lovely photographs of this device. In addition to all of these lines of Braille on the large flat surface, you've got a few buttons with which you control it. Yes, and it's designed, like I mentioned, as a reading device. So it's like a Kindle for Braille. On the front of the machine are three thumb buttons. There's the back button which goes back a page to forward to go forward a page and the menu button. Now, if you, the Canute defaults to the last book you're in. You turn it on, it takes you back to the last page and the last book you were in. If you press the menu button, then it brings up a list of options for navigating around. And you can add bookmarks. You can view the existing bookmarks. You can go to the system menu. Uh, you can go to the library menu and pick up another book. You can also go to page. So let's say you wanted to move from one book to another. You would be reading a book and then you press the on the left hand side next to every line. There is a small um, triangular button as well as the three thumb buttons on the front. So you press the menu button on the front in order to tell you what the buttons on the side do. It would then refresh the screen. And how is the Braille refreshed on the display? 
it refreshes one line at a time. It's a mechanical device, so you can hear it refreshing, a bit like a, an inkjet printer, something like that. And you can read from the top line down. It, it takes just under, well, around about a second per line. So you can start reading straight away, and the machine will be refreshing as you're reading. And how would you switch to reading another document or book? You'll see an option on the page which says go to the library menu. You press the button on the left-hand side of that line, and that will take you directly to a list of books that are preloaded onto your machine. These are actually on an SD card or a USB stick, which is on the side, on the left-hand side of the machine. And it reads them off that as a flat list of files that you can navigate between. What file formats does the device support? The file types it takes is Braille-ready files, which are, like I said, the standard output for, for getting something embossed, which means that it has all the correct formatting of a Braille book. It doesn't condense any white space. There's a headings page with lots of um, blank lines underneath it. Then it has the headings page properly. And portable embosser format, which is a, an alternate form for BRF. Wow, that's really nice. So you talked about slipping the SD card in. Is that how people get new books onto the device? They would load books onto an SD card from their computer or another source and then slip it into the device? Or can it connect directly to a computer? How does that all work? You manage your books on the SD card. Mm -hmm. So you'd either be given an SD card if, for example, you're part of a library scheme and they'll, they send you SD cards in the post or they preload a commute, which they send you. You can then take that SD card, put it in your computer and load it up with whatever files you've got available. So if you're a member of Bookshare, for example, Bookshare distributes Braille-ready files. You can download those, put them on your SD card, and then put the SD card back in the machine, in the commute. They will be available to read. Alternately, if you've got things like Word documents and so on that you want to have transcribed, then if you run that through Duxbury or Braille Blaster or any of the, the other free options like um, Robo Braille, then those programs, which actually already have presets in the case of Duxbury and RoboBrail for Canute. So you put them in, you choose Canute from a drop-down menu, and then it will produce you a document which fits onto the Canute. And then you put that onto the SD card and you put the SD card into the machine. So you basically have an infinite library of books available. Exactly. So this device then, because of its design, is really specifically made for being a reading device, I suppose one would not hook it up to a PC in order to use it as part of their screen reading software. Is that right? That's exactly right for its fundamental design. When it's being launched, we're expecting people to use it as a reading device. However, we are working with people like MV Access and Google to have screen reader support for it. So you can hook it up to a computer and use it with a screen reader. It's just that the screen readers themselves, they need to give some thought to how they can work with multi-line Braille because they've never had to do multi-line Braille before. Oh, that's true. It involves a whole new design concept and also some new drivers. Right. So just for example, the average screen reader, when you hover over an element, one element in a Word document might be an item in a list. And then the next item in the list might be another element. Primarily how it works at the moment is that you would get that one thing being sent to the display and then the next item will be sent to the display. Except, of course, on the commute, what you really want is you want those items in the list being displayed one after the other. So it's a different way of looking at it. You'll be sending more 
than one line's worth of information at once, and that will require a little bit of rewrite. It's not rocket science, but it requires careful thought. Yes, it involves putting together some new software to make this thing work with a screen reader. Right, so we designed the Canute so that it works as well as we can, as simply as possible, for reading books that are already been made in high-quality, pre-formatted Braille. And to that end, we've even put a button on the, the top left-hand side, a round button with a H next to it, where you press that in any part, wherever you are in the Canute's menu system or inside a book, it brings up some contextual help to tell you what that does. So one button click, it tells you what to do in those circumstances, and you click it again and you go back. Um, so we've designed it quite carefully so that people don't have to be familiar with multi-line braille um, displays in order to use the Canute on account of no one being familiar with multi-line braille displays. We're a bit cautious about telling people, Ill, you're definitely going to have perfect um, screen reader support right from the get-go because that will require just as much work, if not more, to make it work really well. But we're definitely working on it and you'll definitely see screen reader support at some point in the near future. So you mentioned both the help system and the menu system. Is that provided in speech or in Braille on the display or what? It's all in Braille on the display. There's no speech. There is, in fact, a audio jack output, which is not currently being used, but it does have a sound chip inside the machine. So it is possible for it to output audio, but we've, we've focused exclusively on Braille, not least because many of our uh, customers are deafblind and we don't want to make a device which couldn't be used by some of the people who are most keen on the commute. So as we discussed, traditional Braille displays are quite expensive. And my understanding is that they work with a piezoelectric coiled crystal to push up and down the dots, and that makes it very expensive per character. But you described the Canute as being based on a mechanical type system. I wonder if you can describe briefly for our listeners what's under the hood to make that work. Yeah. So as you said, all, all, all Braille displays at the moment, with the exception of the Orbit and the um, and a few others coming just coming through like Dot and so on, all of them use piezoelectric displays. That's um, that's a, where you have a strip of a ceramic, which is a couple of inches long, under every pin, and by passing a very high voltage current through it, you make that ceramic move, and it moves a pin up or down. That's a very neat system, but it's not cheap, and it also doesn't stack very well in the sense of stacking multiple lines because it takes a couple of inches of space per cell. It's very difficult to make multi-line technology, not least because of the expense. So what we're doing instead is we started from scratch with our very own technology, which we designed in-house. And we started with the assumption that as we were a very small outfit and um, we didn't have very much resources, we've gotten by often on fumes, we didn't want to assume that we could come up with a grand new technology based off some physical principle of, of electromagnetism or something. We said, right, what, what's, what stuff is available off the shelf that we can use in a Heath Robinson sort of fashion to try and make a really mechanical device which can be super affordable? And what is the technology that you've selected? What we've done is we've taken stepper motors and from computer drives and um, standard DC motors, those are motors that you just put a, put a cone through and they spin. And you've got around about 100 
of those motors in, in a canute. And that drives 360 cells, which is 2,000 odd pins for with about 100 motors. And the way that that works, if you can imagine reading the machine, if you uh, had your, your hand over a line, let's say you had your hand on the top line, and then you pressed the button in order to refresh that line, the entire line would pop straight down and you would feel blank. Then you would hear a, a noise, a sort of whirring noise, and feel a very slight vibration. And then a second later, it could be as little as a third of a second, or it could be up to a second, the line will pop back up with new braille on it. Now that's because the braille is actually embossed around the outside of cogs. So for every braille cell, you have two cogs. And on the outside of those cogs, those represent the two columns of dots, one, two, three on one cog, um, four, five, six on the next cog. You have every possible combination of dots, one, two, three embossed around the edge of that cog. And then those cogs are spun around and into a new position. And when they're pushed back up, they're locked solid. And by locked solid, I mean you can't push them down. You, you can even emboss paper off the Canute's braille display. It's like signage braille. Mm -hmm. And then you presumably move down to the next line of braille and do the same thing. Exactly. So that's interesting because I looked at the pictures on the website, and you can actually see the two different columns, and you can see anywhere from one to three dots raised in each column. Or no dots, of course. Or none, right? Yeah, zero to three, I should have said. To people reading that, of course, I couldn't feel it on the screen. Does that feel the same as standard Braille? No, it doesn't feel exactly the same. We've had some very pleasant comments about the, the quality of the Braille. Some people were saying that it's much closer to uh, paper Braille. Uh, it is, however, much more prominent from the surface than average paper braille, let alone um, electronic braille. So the height of each dot is even higher than standard? It's higher than the standard paper braille. It's a lot easier for a learner to read off. Not necessarily better, certainly not necessarily better than paper braille. We wouldn't claim that, but it's very prominent and it's smooth and popular, we should say. Yeah. Well, as long as the dots are reasonably distinct and you can slide your fingers over it pretty easily, I would guess those are the main aspects that people look for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the individual characters, once displayed and locked into position, are more robust than a typical piezoelectric Braille display. So you don't have to worry about pushing down on them. Oh, you can't push them down. No. Pete always jokes that if he wants to erase a paper braille document, he just sits on it. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's a problem for libraries, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And another problem for libraries is just the size of these things. So obviously, uh, I mean, this is the benefit for all electronic braille, but with the Canute, you can also use it for documents that do really require multi-line, which is that you don't need an entire room just to store your braille. We've had schools tell us that it would be interested in getting the Canute in because if we started using Canutes, we'd be able to get two classrooms back because they're filled up with Braille volumes. Yes, Braille is quite bulky for people who may not have seen a Braille book before. It takes up a lot of space. Yeah, every time we move, our local post office gets a real surprise. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing that you might buy into a Canute just because you feel sorry for your postman. 
<laughs> there you go. So it sounds like you've been working on this for a number of years and put a lot of thought into the design and probably expandability of this device and that you're already thinking of new applications like hooking it to a PC and screen reader. What might people expect in the future from this device in terms of expandability? The first thing to note is the software is open sourced. You can already, even though it isn't on mass retail release yet, you can already download the software and run an emulator on your own computer and see the Canute software. And you can expand the, the software on your own Canute. So, for example, I mentioned it has an audio jack output. The reason we put the audio jack output on it, even though we have no audio, is because, well, the computer inside can do audio. Why shouldn't we expose it? And then if someone else wants to make it, for example, they wanted to make um, an open source program where you're reading a page of Braille and it simultaneously reads it out in a text-to-speech, well, that might be very useful for certain learning applications, for someone trying to learn a, a foreign language or, or something like that. So the first thing to state is that we aren't locking this down and that we don't know what the, all the applications for this will be because we aren't in control of it. It's, and that's quite exciting it's, and it's very important to us. And what enhancements may Bristol Braille be thinking about doing for the device itself in the future? In terms of what we're interested in developing, some of the most exciting stuff I think is around tables. At the moment, it works great with tables that have been formatted for paper braille. So we'll be looking at expanding that sort of capability as well. And if somebody buys a Canute 360 fairly early on, will they be able to get access to these updates and enhancements? And anyone who buys into a Canute will get any future expansion of functionality provided for it. So it sounds like with this computer inside on which the system is based, it's very expandable and it's easy just to include new firmware as new features come along. For those readers of a technical um, disposition, the computer inside is what's called a Raspberry Pi, which is a fully-fledged desktop computer on one board. It runs Linux. You can make it run web browsers like Firefox and Chromium. You can um, run the command line. You can use word processing applications and so on. Now, that's what the Raspberry Pi can do. We put the machine inside it so that anyone who wants to hack with the can, you, can take full advantage of that. Meanwhile, we're providing, because we're a small company, we're making a, a really stripped down device to start with, which does one thing really well. And if anybody wants to know more about the Raspberry Pi, we did episode 1407 about a special version of that that is geared to people with visual impairments called Raspberry VI. So I understand you're very close to actually sending these to customers. What is the exact status of the device? We've been going through trial periods for the last year with various partners. That's where we make prototype devices in batches and we send them out to our partners who have very generously helped us with the by, by funding development but also by running trials and the distributor partners who I think we should mention are the ones who have been key in, in giving us the feedback and in getting us to this stage. This is not an inclusive list but it does include the American Printing House, uh, the CNIB, the NFB as well who we're very pleased to receive the, um, the Dr. Jacob Bellotin Award earlier this year from for the Canute 360. Congratulations. Thank you. 
Um, we're working with um, the American Thermoform now as well, uh, in the UK with Technovision. Um, American Thermoform, of course, is um, conjoined with Brelo and many other partners around the world who are now putting in orders and then hoping to get these machines out. Because of the feedback we've been receiving, we're now going into full-scale production. We're starting gently and we're ramping up and uh, we've had pre-sales in the UK and, and further afield. And we're hoping that uh, many of those distributors I mentioned and many more will be selling it um, by the end of the year. That's very exciting. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Canute 360 from Bristol Braille and how to find out how you can try one or purchase one. So if people are interested in finding out more about the Bristol Braille device and or perhaps ordering one, where would you direct them? Our website's a good start. So that's bristolbraille.co.uk. That's one word. So Bristol is spelt B-R-I-S-T-O-L, braille.co.uk. You can, of course, uh, contact us by email. So that's inquiries at bristolbraille.co.uk. So that's inquiries with an E. Or you can phone us directly. Uh, the international number is uh, extension 44 117-325-3022, but you can look that up on the uh, on the website. And we're also on Twitter as well, for those of you who like to use Twitter. Now, for a device like this, sometimes people like to see it before they purchase one. Are there ways that people can see these devices through some of your distributors or some other way? Yeah, well, if you want to see one, I would recommend getting in contact with us and asking us, and we'll be able to put you through to whoever your nearest distributor is. Uh, we also tend to do some of the big shows like in the UK we do what well, we do all the site villages. On the continent we do um, site city. In America we go to CSUN and we go to the NFB and we'll be looking at going to further afield as well. And this will be available in most parts of the world? If it isn't distributed in your part of the world, you can certainly get in contact with us and buy it from a distributor who prepared to sell it to you in your part of the world, certainly. Technovision, for example, have taken orders from all over the world already. Great. Well, I wish you luck with this device, and it sounds like quite a unique device that can serve some interesting needs for people. Thank you very much. And of course, if you'd like to find out more, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. We'll also have a link to the episode we did about the Raspberry Vi computer. That's it for show number 1946. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about medical transcription. Blind since birth, Kathy Melton has been a medical transcriber for several decades and now runs a service to train other blind individuals to do the same thing. We'll speak with her about her experiences and about how the field has changed over the years. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show, or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. You've been listening to Eyes on Success. 
Hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Rechalk Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.tiesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.